Hello, and welcome to part two of the first episode of the Sheffield Health Insurance Talks podcast series. Sheffield Health is a global talent consultancy in people and transformational change, helping individuals and organisations to reach their potential. In the second part of this two-part episode, Nick Roscoe, Managing Director in our insurance practice, talks to Mark Hutsley about Mark's passion for social inclusion and his work with City Gateway. So, sit back, relax, have a cup of tea, and enjoy the final part of the interview with Nick and Mark. So in 2023, KPMG issued a report entitled Reshaping DEI in Insurance. In this report, they say that only 29% of insurance companies collect social mobility data. The situation in Lloyd's seems to be even worse. The Lloyd's 2022 Culture Dashboard states that only three firms in total collect this data. This shows that we have a very long way to go. I'd like to talk a bit now, Hux, about the pressures uh, that will lead to change within the market. Um, so I think we've, we've seen that there is quite a lot. It's quite tight. There are quite a lot of limitations and maybe to a degree the market has got caught on, on some tracks yeah. that, it, that it's going to come off. So where do you see the pressure coming from? It, is, is it from the FCA, who we know are taking a great interest in this and in the, in the context of, of conduct and they've made statements about what they're doing themselves in this area? and what they would expect of the market? Or do you think it will be uh, governmental? Or do you think that it will come from Lloyd's, the corporation for syndicates? Where do you see the the, the levers of change? So I think there's an element of cause, effect, and consequence that is in play here. And definitely, you call out all of the right bodies that that create conduct risk around the industry to to be seen as a solvent, safe haven, for complex insurance, if we're looking more towards that market. So definitely, you know, there's some causal elements there. The effect of that is those businesses trading at scale in it are typically now, you know, may use the vernacular, big dog corporations that, you know, are, are complex financial instruments. Some are under public ownership, some are not, but definitely they've all got large shareholder interests. So effect of that is there's good conduct risk to make sure you're properly representing the shareholder in the business, which is fine. The consequence of that is it, it can, you know, it too controversial, but deliver brand bland. Because if we all look like the same vanilla ice creams in a supermarket shop, the lids might be different, but we're all going to do the same thing. We'll all taste like vanilla ice cream. And definitely, you know, the kind of London market at times can be guilty of that. There's a there's so different, so narrow margins of differentiation between the businesses. So that's that's not a great place to be. The talent sitting and coming into those organisations became replicants of those. So there's the struggle. So how do I look the same as everybody else? But now I want to look completely differently. I mean, it's just a you know an absolute tautology that sits there. So there, there's a, and we're talking near past it. There was already a recognition that that was coming into play, and I think one only has to look at. The amount of people that have tipped out of those corporations by career choice to maybe go set up MGAs, you know, set up smaller, agile vehicles that they can they can control down a slightly different lens. You know, it feels like it's still an awful and terrible, but the kind of so-called insure tech or disruptor, original disruptors, are, some of them are over a decade old now, and that's a another route out where people say, you know, I, I know I'm doing the right thing, but I don't want to do it within the big corporate construct. 
I want to fix some particular problems, so I'll go and set set those up and that gets into that that kind of whole future and it does affect the talent in the industry between the kind of the large incumbents trying to innovate and trying to play nicely with the with the inshore techs and some of the inshore techs getting quite kind of robust in their own rights now. Um, there's some interesting future pathwaying of talent will come in the market um, about who's going to be looking for what, where, and the kind of personality. And I think a lot of the socioeconomic diversity plays well into that kind of more owner-operator, mid-tier, MGA, insure tech, really wants to be seen to be done something differently. And if you need proof of why that's a good thing, albeit slightly out of a different crisis, you know, the banking industry became now much defined by Monzo, Revolut, Starling, Tide, Metro Bank, Etel, all of the so-called challenger banks that actually are basically eating the big four's dinner now. And at some point, I believe that will come into the insurance industry. So all of the the consequences and all of the needs for for change come in there. Um, It's just whether the businesses recognize that they have to go down that, that sea of change. And I think that itself, if we go back to a cause, effect and consequence, the trigger point will be when the corporation realizes across the whole nature of its of its business and everything that goes on inside it, it's a cultural construct, not a corporate construct. And you've got to drive that culture from the top down. So within the, the ambit of this conversation, so we don't start getting into my world of entrepreneurship and innovation, in this construct is do we have all of the right people in the right places doing all of the right things? And are we making the right investments in future talent that are going to take us to where we want the culture of this organization to be defined by? And I would throw up a big question of, in my own mind, and it's a personal opinion, I think too few are. And those that are doing it are being defined slightly differently and are starting to, to drive people to different places. And there is history in this. Go back to our conversation of the 80s and 90s. Yeah, the Hiscock Syndicate and Robert Hiscock is a man who definitely was a why not man. You know, he and then he drove some very uniqueness in what he did there. And I put put my head up to my life hero, David Howden. I think he does it in today's construct. Kind of look what Stephen Catlin has done since he's come out and what he's trying to drive convex into. And much of that is actually by bringing people into that business that you wouldn't normally and traditionally see inside those insurance businesses. So I think there's a bit of wake up insurance that needs to, to go on in there. Yes, I think that's right. So let's let's move on to to some of the initiatives that are going on because we know that this is a massive subject, and I think there are various initiatives which are partial solutions that come together. But when you think of somebody who has who comes into the city for the first time um, from Tower Hamlets, let's look at the area where you, you, you're operating, yeah. um, and then they come into into the insurance sector where you have these incredible buildings um, shooting up these skyscrapers, probably the most impressive architecture in arguably in Europe. Um, and they go into uh, boardrooms which are swanky and subtle lighting and it, it creates a huge impression, but I think that can be quite quite daunting. Uh, and I, we hear that uh, time and time again about people who are getting a feeling of sort of imposter syndrome. Do I really belong here? This is just so alien to me. So I think this is a cultural issue. The culture has got to got to change. But there are there are various initiatives that people have, have jumped upon uh to try and break down these barriers, to try and create accessibility. So um I think that some of it is it is about training of the people who are welcoming uh, people into the industry. 
Um, there is talk about contextual offers that, going back to the academic thing, which they possibly set lower entry requirements based upon lower um, academic opportunity. There are apprenticeships, there's mentorship, and then there are sort of outreach uh, programs. Probably quite a good starting point, if I can sort of steer this slightly, is, is what came out of the ABI uh, on their strategy. And they are partnering with Progress together. They're participating in the Kickstart scheme. They're taking part in the Social Mobility Employer Index, and they're working with the new Social Mobility Task Force. Now, I know that some of these organizations you're quite close to, it'd be good if you could touch a little bit on that and also uh, touch on um, City Gateway, uh, which is an organization which you've been obviously sure. fully involved with. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, gosh, where do you start with that? That's a lot. Lot to kind of unpack there. Um, so, social mobility task force. I mean, the the immediate late Lord Mayor Vincent Keveney. It was one of the the key strands to his mayority year that, that he wants more social inclusion. And absolutely welcome that. So, yeah, the company of entrepreneurs supports that. We'll, we'll get behind that. We are already doing a lot of work in in that place. So. You know, for those of us that, that are in the city, you know, very much commend uh, going through the bridge report, but getting into that task force, uh, and I'm sure they would welcome any support or help that comes in. So that's there. City Gateway, the reason I got involved in that is I, I've just, this half of my life, I've just become increasingly angry about the unfairness and injustice that goes across the world in many constructs. I mean, we're talking about one here, but my feelings run run a lot deeper than that. But in this context, there is a massive pool of talent that, that sits in those immediate ring postcodes to the EC postcodes, 90% of which get ignored, 90% of which could solve the problems that we've got now. And it does go all the way back to my smart people, clever people, and the construct of the market I saw. And all it needs is the conduct risk that the businesses were put in now to stop some of the kind of old, wild West behaviors that brought Lloyds to, to some of the positions it was in when the smart people took over. A little bit, and there weren't enough clever people, and certainly not enough conduct risk, slowing them down. Um, but we're in a different place there. So that was why I I offered and was attracted to go and help City Gateway. So in a, in a nutshell, they're an education charity working on those inner London postcodes. As you said, they're based in Tower Hamlets, but they'll they'll reach out to Newham, they'll come into Bethnal Green, they'll go across the river to Lewisham, Greenwich, Southwark, um, you know, other boroughs, and basically. What they do is they take 16 to 24-year-olds, what are called NEETs, so they're not in education, employment, or any form of training. So they are the lost generation, potentially. But to the absolute immense credit of the young learners that go through this charity, they put their head up that they want to make a change in their life. What City Gateway does, it takes them through a government-funded, but also why it's a charity, uh, fundraised education program to be fit for work. and. On the other side of it, they then look for city organisations to to implant them in for internships so they get workplace training. Uh, and yeah, they do very well at it. There's much more that could be done. I mean, it's a, there is no scale big enough that will get past this problem. But what I find very in, inspiring, so apart from the you know, the kind of, I guess I have three three roles with them. One, I help them on the fundraising side of it with some of my network and some of the people I, I connect with within the city. I definitely help to try and find organizations that might take some of these young learners in. 
but I also am a, a, a kind of motivational, inspire a speaker for them to the learners. But I've got a community of my friends that come from those backgrounds that, that get in there. And it gets to the middle point of what you were talking about, because the biggest challenge that these young learners feel is I am going to feel like a very strange human being inside an organization I don't understand that is frankly overwhelming. You know, your, your nice dimly lit music playing reception, you know, which is very nice on the corporate construct is utterly frightening to a young person who's now being made to wear a suit that they've never worn in their life, you know, to a point getting those suits from charities. I think there's one called Suit You. I think that actually help young folks you know, get clothing to go to charities. You were involved in it. We do, we do that once, yeah. a, once a year. We, we, we suits that are, you know, serviceable. Yeah. We, but but we, you just yeah. imagine, put yourself in their shoes, that you were the person having to do that and your neck's going and what's this tie about? And So they're feeling very strange and alien and they walk into organisations that, don't talk in a language that they understand. At the first point of contact with that company, they just don't see people that look like them, the imposter syndrome. They don't see role models in there. So there are three parts to this this social mobility construct. You know, there is diversity, there is inclusivity, and there's there's equity that, that sits in it. And a good friend of mine has a, he come up with a wonderful phrase for it. That, you know, diversity is about being invited to a party. Inclusivity is being asked to dance. Equality is being allowed to choose the music. Now, they've been invited to every party in the city. Many of them are now having a chance to be asked to dance. Virtually none of them have been allowed to choose the music. They are just not, at the moment, being seen as equal within those, those businesses. And there's not enough people in it. And I know that's maybe a little bit of a self-fulfilling truth, because until you get more, they won't recognise more. But the businesses need to recognise these people feel very nervous and they're frightened. They might not show it on the outside, because we don't do that in this world. But inside... They're screaming fear. So they need to be treated in and you know, seen in a different way. So not just we're building a diverse workforce, a socially mobile yeah, workforce. And again, if we're looking at the kind of socioeconomic part of it, we mustn't miss out neurodiversity in here. And definitely in my entrepreneurial world, there's a huge prevalence of dyslexia amongst entrepreneurs because actually why that's why they're wired up differently to think differently. And some being, you know, a, 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 a narrow spectrum on the autistic spectrum because they think again in that slightly savant you know, and are fantastic problem solvers. These superpowers, you know, again, so if you've got people that have also got that characteristic in them, being able to take those into an organisation and make them feel both included and welcomed, but also feel that they don't have that glass ceiling that you you quite rightly recognised earlier, is a huge challenge for businesses, and it's one that is being addressed. But again, go back to yeah, my, my little metaphor of the corporate agenda. It's being addressed as, right, strategy 27 is DEI, go away, think, and it comes back. But unless the C-level people in that company are actually driving that culture within the, the organisation and in a gender diversity, people talk about male allyship, and uh, you know that's, that's as equally important here. There needs to be socioeconomic allies. There needs to board, need to recognise. We are bringing these people in willingly, lovingly, and we will treat the people equally when they come into the organisation and they will visibly see the same fresh staff. And we will talk a language that they understand and we won't force them into our world. You know, so this kind of, it's something that, that happens around you know, poverty that where they can't give money, they give education because they believe education is as good as the money. It's not. People want the money because they can do something with the money. They can't do anything with the education. 
So if you're bringing them into them, yeah, fine, you will educate them in time, but please make them feel like they're inside that organization and that they are part of your family. And it doesn't matter how big the company is, there are enormous companies in the world that have a very family feel about them. And Virgin Group would be one with the, the, the shadow, the positive shadow that Branson puts across that business. And with his own charity, Virgin Unite, he's an agent for social change. He's an exemplar of many of the things that we talk about today. That's what's not happening in the city at the moment. So do you think we're sort of slightly scratching the surface on this? Um, to tell me about a, a young learner that comes to you through City Gateway. You make the connection to an insurance company. They spend a little bit of time in there. Is the, the normal way of things that they get to see what it's like? They've got three weeks experience on a, on a CV. Thank you very much. That's great. Now go away and I'll never see you again. Or are people building proper bridges? Are they really integrating them in? Are they creating a, you know, a realistic career ambition in people and then delivering on, on giving them role? Yeah, yeah. No, it's the latter, not the former. Um, definitely not the former. So there, there, there's a bit of kind of bound in threading that, that goes on, which gets into, and I think you mentioned about apprenticeships being, being part of this, that there's some tying in and binding into apprenticeships. So much of what an organisation like City Go, I know they're not unique, um, would do is almost a kind of level one apprenticeship, which is the pre-apprenticeship apprenticeship, that gets them ready to go into an organisation a little more kind of oven ready to go into that that apprenticeship scheme. So it's about building a decent deployment, you know, in time, opportunity, and then onward vocational training sitting in. Um, the good thing is that, and the real benefit, to my view, that, that the City Gateway bring in philosophically is the people are already somewhat within the within the kind of taxonomy of the business. So they're not quite going in as rough kid off the street. I'm just not sure where I'm starting. They actually, they've already learned to play nicely with each other and the business is already now, by the sheer fact that they're working with City Gateway, have kind of crossed that Rubicon of culture to see, right, you know, this, this is something that we're bringing in. And again, it will be wrong to, to, to name organisations they work with, but they, they will work with some of the, the world's largest organisations as our UK domiciled, you know, so they are doing this thing at a scale. And again, if, if I'm appointed a small shout out, the clue is in the title of the, the charity. They are the City Gateway. So they are on literally East India DLR route. They look across to, to Docklands and they look on the DLR route up to Bank and all of the community that they want to work with are in those two places. So from an insurance perspective, they can easily fall out of Tower Gateway or bank on the DLR and be ready to come into the insurance industry. Great. So, look, thank you very much for that. I, one final question. Please. Sure. So we've spoken an awful lot about what organisations can do, must do, will do, about the need for cultural change. Let's, let, let's turn to the, the young learner, someone who comes to you through, through City Gateway. What is your advice to them when they say, hey, Hux, I'm kind of interested in a career in insurance. What should they do? How do you prepare them? At a, at a personal level, what I try and get at them is you need to play nicely in the other person's world at the start. So come into the organization, come in with an open mind and a willingness to learn. And, and again, you're probably working out, I love my old proverbs and sayings and yeah, there's always the one that you've got two ears, two eyes, and one mouth, and use things in that proportion. So go in, soak up, you know, just 
play nicely with with the business, be respectful, be curious, just allow them to take you on their journey and don't be presumptive about what you think that journey is because I can definitely tell you in my insurance career, I thought I understood insurance after two years. I understood it in a whole different way after 10 years. I definitely understand it after nearly 50 years now of what this industry stands for and that's a lifelong work. So, you know, just keep that in mind. And just... On the other side of it, make sure that there's a bounding relationship from the employer, that, that they are investing in you. And if you feel they're not investing in you, and you, you did quite rightly call that imposter syndrome, so many of them, they're, they're as, 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 as bold as brass as you might think they are, their egos are very, very fragile. They can be shattered quite quickly. And I've literally had people sit in front of me when I do some of my speaches there at the charity, the, the same which just, well, I just don't fit in. You know, it's me. It's not you. You know, you're a 16, 18 year old. You're just not fitting in with them, but you will fit in somewhere. So there's that confidence builder. So just to have that little bit of self-worth, because this is a lot of what all of these people need to have, you know, just natively within them in their, in their DNA when they're inside these organizations. And again, you know, the plea back to the organization is you've got to recognize that when you're bringing these people in, because they will not understand your world. And this is all alien to them. So you've got to be that parent figure to them and nurture them very carefully, very closely. And if somebody comes from you know, a very socially deprived background and they've put their hand up to want to make that choice, that's the bravest decision they've made in their life. If they've come to you and it's not working, you could shatter that and set them on a lifetime of failure. And it's a huge responsibility. You know, I... Yeah, I'm enormously proud of the work I do with City Gateway, but I, I am just a humble servant to the brilliant work that they do to try and make that change. And that is a change that we, we need to make going through. Yeah, we, we called out Caroline and London Market Group, London Insurance Life. You know, she's as equally an agent for change of what she's doing, and others are. So I, I, I've painted this perhaps a slightly kind of more binary position today than it is in reality but there's a hell of a long way to go. Your stats at the start absolutely tell you how far behind the curve of equality we are. Yeah, I think if there's one positive, it's that we now know there's a problem, which I think was brushed under the carpet maybe five, six years ago, Indeed. that now people are addressing. Yeah. Thank you very much. No, it's been my absolute pleasure. I hope there's some interesting things been, in there for you. been a great pleasure for me too. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow, such an insightful discussion. Thank you to Hux and Nick for sharing their thoughts. I was particularly interested to hear about Hux's involvement with City Gateway, a charity that provides training opportunities for disadvantaged young people in Tower Hamlets. Well, that's all we have time for today. We hope you found the conversation enlightening. Please do join us next time for another episode in the Sheffield Health Insurance Talk series. And remember to follow and subscribe for future podcasts. And if you'd like to find out more about Sheffield Health, please visit us at www.sheffieldhouse.com. Until next time, thanks for joining.